0: Fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me again this week, Bulls fans. I'm pretty excited to to be back on the mic and to be speaking to you guys because I know this episode, well for a lot of you, but certainly for me as well, is going to be a fun one because I'm I'm going to be deep diving on, in my opinion, the Bulls' best young player, and I've got a, a really smart dude. Joining me on the show today, his name is Coles Wicker. Many of you are probably familiar with him. He writes at the Stepien. He's a co-owner of the Stepion actually. They do some amazing scouting for draft prospects coming into the NBA, but even players that have sort of matured into the NBA as well. And, and the reason why I've got Cole on is because he wrote just an absolutely epic piece about Wendell Carter Jr. the other week, and I thought... Why not get Cole on? And it's really just an opportunity for me to uh bang on about Wendell for as long as I can. So we're going to do an entire po- podcast about Wendell Carter. So Cole's going to join me here to talk about Wendell, talk about his piece, and to really expand on everything that he noted in his great epic piece. It, it was it, it was such a good read. It, it really dives into everything Wendell Carter on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, everything you want to know about Wendell Carter's game. You got to go read that piece up on the step in by Cole. So let's bring him in. Cole, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me, man. Always uh, fun to talk Wendell Carter. <laughs> Definitely. Always fun for me to uh, find an excuse to to speak about Wendell. Not that I need too many excuses given this, that this is a Bulls podcast, but I don't get to focus in on Wendell just for a full 45 minutes. I, I guess that's what I'm planning on doing today. But uh, it, it's we're effectively doing that because you basically put together one of the most in-depth and probably the most in-depth piece that I've seen about Bulls center Wendell Carter on your site, the Stepien. So you went into extreme detail. It was so good and had so much depth and detail um, within it that I thought it would be a good opportunity to go through it here on the podcast and just talk about our boy Wendell. And really, I don't need much of a catalyst to get me going on about Wendell. So I'm glad <laughs> you did write it because it means I get to spend an entire show talking about the guy. And like I said, it was a huge write-up. I, I believe at the top of the article on the Stepien that uh, the site suggested it was actually a 27-minute read to go through it all. And I certainly recommend the listeners do that if they haven't had a chance to do so as yet. It's it's a big read, but it's well worth it. We'll link that up for people in case they missed it. But as this was such a big piece, and probably the first question I, I want to ask, given that I could probably take this conversation a million ways and I don't necessarily <laughs> know where to start. But so, so let's start with this basic question. So this is obviously a Bulls pod, so naturally you like to go into detail about our players. But for yourself, who covers most of the league, who covers so many uh, prospects. He's got a lot of prospects, both in the league and outside of it. What made you actually want to focus in on Bulls center Wendell Carter to the point where you went into such depth profiling his game?
1: I felt really comfortable talking about him because I watched so much Wendell. I mean, obviously only played 44 games last year due to injury, but I did watch a consistent amount. I, I hate to admit that publicly because not a lot of non-Bulls fans should be admitting they watched a lot of Bulls last year, <laughs> but that, that just ended up Unfolding that way because I love watching him play. So I felt like I had a good feel. So I could use that knowledge combined with what I've seen from him as a prospect, which is upwards of 20 plus games. And it wasn't like a situation where I was writing about a rookie that I didn't watch at all last year. I really hate doing that. Like, I don't have a great feel on how someone like Marvin Bagley played for the Kings. I didn't watch a ton of Kings. So I tended to focus on someone who I had a really strong feel for their game. And I think that someone I just genuinely feel like is underrated. I, I do feel like he was quality he was a good player in several respects last year and i really did feel some vindication or i shouldn't say vindication some conviction that he was this kind of second year breakout caliber player for me
0: yeah i'm, I'm glad you mentioned two things there so the word underrated so i think i think he's generally he's, he's underrated amongst the nba community but even amongst bulls fan base uh, to a degree from some of the stuff I've, i see written by by fans you know over various platforms i think to a degree wendell is probably still slept on in large part because of his injury i think we didn't see him for the last few months of the season and we didn't see him through the Bulls best stretch of basketball so I think we kind of tend to forget about Wendell a little bit which is kind of disappointing which is again another reason why I wanted to do this show but another thing that you mentioned there is the fact that you potentially see him as a potential breakout candidate next season and and that's essentially what you let off with in your piece and then you did preface it that I guess you did mention that there are obviously candidates from that previous rookie class, guys like Trey, Doncic, Bagley, Aiton, Jaron Jackson, et cetera, who have the ability to break out as well. But I guess they're a little bit more vaunted. They've got a little bit more notoriety than someone like Wendell. So you preface that in your piece. But I guess my next question is, in terms of thinking about Wendell as a the breakout candidate of, the, of last year's draft, is it more to do with the players that have already gone before Wendell that maybe played the full season, maybe got that notoriety that they're not necessarily, or we don't consider them as breakout stars next season, whereas Wendell maybe has more to prove that's why why you thought him of him as a breakout star, or is it more to do with Wendell's skill set and the fact that he may be being slept on not only by Bulls fans, but uh, the wider NBA community?
1: I think it's both. Honestly, I feel like he didn't get the requisite amount of attention last year. Some of that deserved. Again, the Bulls weren't tremendous to watch last season. It's kind of like the Phoenix Suns where not a lot of teams watch the Suns. And I wanted to bring light to some of his skill set and what he already showed, but I do think it speaks to the totality of the circumstance. Luka Doncic, Trey Young, those guys were debated basically for the entire latter half of the rookie year about, you know, who's rookie of the year. It was always Luca. But Trey closed really hard. You heard a lot about him. You know, Jaron Jackson, when he did play, got recognition. A lot of people said that he was a top three rookie based on the games he played in. Aiton, of course, was historically productive and efficient as a scorer. I think he got the requisite amount of attention. I think the top five picks were the top five guys on the they're the all-rookie team. So, I mean, all those guys, I felt like got an, like an amount of respect that I don't feel like Wendell is going to get. And I think this is part of what makes him so intriguing to me is I feel like he has the ability to almost always be underrated because what he does is brings impact to the game not you're not going to see it in some of the finishing stats or the counting stats, but the impact on the game is where he wins the most. And to answer the latter part of your question, I just think the skill set is so close to breaking out. And that's why I like him so much because it's so it's such low hanging fruit to me. It's like if you start trading in these inefficient post-ups, and I know Bulls fans absolutely hate post-ups. I've learned that <laughs> yes. in depth over the past you know, <laughs> two weeks since writing this, but even just talking, just optimizing Wendell's game, trading these hard post-ups where he's not posting up a power forward. He's posting up like these behemoth centers. That's not his game. If you get him more in space, if you get him in pick and pops, if he can space to three, I think you're going to see an efficiency spike. Like whenever you hear national analysts talk about Wendell Carter. Mostly what they say immediately is we don't want an inefficient offensive big and I I think that that's the wrong way to analyze this. I think that his game portends very well to when he starts shooting the three, which he's going to. We can talk about that as we move forward here. I just feel like it's such low-hanging fruit. He's so close to being ho- hopefully better utilized, and when he does so, I think it's going to open up the rest of his game.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it, it was always going to be this way to a degree. I mean, the Al Horford comparison comes through in a lot of ways. Um, it's not obviously a complete comparison, but in a lot of ways uh, that Al Horford is somewhat understated, then I guess that ring-truths for Wendell to a degree as well. But I don't know. I, I completely agree with everything you've said. Uh, I, I do think he has such a high skill set, just a pure skill set, that he's going to be a damn productive player in the NBA no matter what. So uh, it's yet to be it's yet to be determined what his ceiling will be, but uh, he's going to be a, a productive, good quality NBA player. But t- to the point where I'm comfortable saying that Wendell is probably the best prospect on this roster, even more so than Larry Markkinen, I know that at times when I do say that, some people probably – you know, scrunch up their arms and look at me with a funny face, even though this is through audio, but I can still feel those glazing eyes. So sometimes I feel a bit crazy suggesting as much and those doubts from others sometimes makes me question myself. So I I guess I'm looking for some validation here. But is it nuts for me to think that Carter may be the best prospect on this roster, even
1: more so than a guy than Larry Markman? I mean, I think the same thing. So if you're nuts then I get us fall suit in that regard, but uh, I don't think it is. I, I really, I mean, obviously like Lowry shooting is the strongest skill amongst these two players, you could argue, very easily. Like Lowry's an all time shooting big. No no objection there. He's more of a shot maker right now. He can shoot over the top and post ups. The pick and pop game's incredible. I just think what Wendell does, like whenever I look at bigs, I always look at defense first. Cause that's where you're really going to bring your value unless you are just an outrageous offensive player at the at the five spot. Like a Jokic or like a Towns. Those guys are extreme outliers mm-hmm. though. Yep. A lot of times it's on defense. And I think that's where Wendell makes up a huge gap and, and it really leaps Lowry Martin as far as impact goes just because of the rim protection um, the team defense the awareness all of that element of his game I don't feel like that is that's something that's always going to be undervalued because fans are going to look at like how you defend in space and can you contain the ball and I think Wendell's underrated on the ball but where he wins mostly is in the team construct and that's the stuff that's hardest to assign value for so that's kind of what I view it as maybe Lowry's going to put up Better scoring stats, better shooting stats, but when you look at the impact of, on the game in totality, that's where Wendell, in my opinion, is going to leap him. I don't know by how much. I mean, you can make an argument for either of these guys. That's why I think that the Wendell argument is defensible.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I'm, I'm, and and when I say that Wendell. Is the better prospect. It's it's not necessarily by margins that are too too big for Larry Markman to leap. I mean, Markman himself could make a big leap this season that changes that perspective. So that's definitely in play as well. But uh, look, I've t- I've spoken about the perception of, about Wendell a little bit and the fact that again, NBA fans at large, but even those within the Bulls fan base, that some view Carter as basically an undersized defensive center with a limited offensive game. People often point to his efficiency numbers, the fact that he wasn't very efficient, particularly in comparison to some of the other rookie bigs going around. I know you focused on, on, or you honed in on this uh, this point in your piece. So I pretty much disagree with that notion that he is a, I guess a guy that has a lot limited offensive game. I'm tipping you do as well. So maybe, I, I guess my question that I that I have, and it's something that I've been fighting all season, is how much of Wendell's struggles during his rookie his rookie season on offense, in particular, was to do with his own limitations versus the limitations that maybe the Bulls put on on him during his rookie season.
1: I think it's fair to say that maybe he wasn't ready to shoot the ball from three yet. He showed flashes. He was like six of 32 overall. I thought some of the makes were very convincing, but you have to factor in that he wasn't always ultra confident, whether that was, he wasn't being encouraged to shoot or it was on in his own regard. Like he just wasn't confident enough taking threes. Like you saw some sag off coverage from Jared Allen. Jared Allen did the same thing to Deandre Ayton in that matchup, and it kind of messed with Aiden's head. I think you have to factor that into maybe he wasn't like ready to extend his range to NBA three. A lot of rookie bigs, when they come in, they're not ready to shoot with confidence and volume. So whether that's, you know, a byproduct of him or the team, I think it's probably a little bit of both. But again, that's kind of that's the low-hanging fruit. That's how he gets this efficiency spike. That's how he gets that value. He's a perimeter big. I think that a lot of people look at him and say he's more of an interior big. That was kind of his reputation coming into College at Duke, in certain respects, they were like, Oh, this is more of your back to the basket center. Like, he can do that stuff. Like, on a switch, he's really skilled. Like, you don't see a lot of bigs who can, you know, shoot with either hand over either shoulder, have turnarounds built into their game, face up jumpers. He can basically do anything. He can short roll. He can, you know, he's good touch on floaters, for example. Like, there's a lot more skill to his game than he gets credit for, but he's not just like this back to the basket high leverage finisher. He's not DeAndre Ayton. He doesn't have this seven foot one size and explosiveness to just jump over the top of guys and finish like a right hand jump hook over anybody. That's not his game. You want to get him in space more. So that's kind of how I view it. I think some certain limitations are on Wendell last season as far as shooting the ball with confidence, but it's clearly that he can much better be optimized. There's not even a question for me. The Bulls can utilize him better if he's ready to do that stuff. If he's confident enough to do it, there's a much better way to utilize him than the Bulls did last year.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. And look, this came through in your piece as well as what you just sort of said there. And I think you did your best to not necessarily try to assign blame on one particular party. It's, it's I think, it's actually the rational and, and probably logical position to take that it's probably a bit of everyone sort of um, having some sort of impact in terms of his of, of his production in, in some sense, but. I guess when it comes to Wendell, I can get pretty emotive pretty quickly to the point where rational thoughts go out the window pretty quickly to the point where I'm quick to actually blame Jim Boylan and perhaps even some Fred Hoiberg too for the way he was sort of used during his rookie season. And I mean, there was a stretch through Hoiberg's run here as coach, the first through 23 games of the season where Wendell was actually playing some pretty good offensive basketball. He was, I think he had a space or a run of games, I think it was nine consecutive games and nine of his first fifteen or so games, where he actually scored in double figures and was looking quite comfortable out there on offense, but that sort of disappeared under Jim Boyle, and so. You've mentioned in your post or your article that Carter is predominantly a peruna oriented playmaking big man on offense, and I guess I'm still at a loss as to why the Bulls tried to use him in other spots. Is there something? Is there a justification as to why the team was so hell bent on developing his post game, not necessarily as a passer, but as a main avenue of his offense? And you mentioned DeAndre Ayton, but it kind of felt like they were using him and trying to develop him as DeAndre Ayton. Is is this, is there actually a reason as to why he? or why the team tried to do that, that maybe I'm missing or overlooking, or is it simply the team just sort of not understanding how best to use Wendell?
1: I mean, it could be one of two things. It could be one of three things, frankly. Like, they wanted to instill more physicality and toughness in him. I do think Wendell's like a physical player, so I don't really have any concerns about that, but that could have been... Like, that's, I think, why Phoenix played Eight and more inside, as they wanted him to develop these big man tendencies, like the consistency as far as applying his strength functionally, playing him inside and not having him just shoot threes and float on the perimeter. So I, I do think that might have been a motivation. I have no idea for sure. Obviously, I'm just going from the cuff. And then maybe he wasn't ready to shoot. And then again, maybe that was better known in practices if coaches. GMs whatnot if the discussion was around him like he's not ready for this yet like he can play in the mid-range not going to be super efficient there he's not ready to extend out so let's get him more post-ups around the basket I I guess that could have been their train of thought but it's it's impossible for me to really say for sure of course I just there's several factors but again I don't know if like the personnel was overly conducive as well to having like this optimizing Wendell experience like I I think some of the guard play is a little bit limited. We can get into that. Like Chris Dunn, not the best playmaker. I mean, he's okay as a passer, but it's more of the lack of shooting gravity condenses the floor a little bit. I talked with this with some bulls guys at like summer league, even when Wendell came in. And I don't know if you remember this, but, they were using him in pick and roll and kind of like having him short roll right into traffic. And every time he would, he would shoot these like running shots and they were like double teamed. And it's like, there's no way that that's a conducive setting to playing him. They weren't popping him to three, even from summer league. So that is suggestive a little bit of the fact that maybe they just don't feel like he was ready. Like Jaron Jackson shot like 13 threes in one summer league game. Like they were letting him shoot above the break. And that didn't be, that didn't seem to be the same case for Wendell. So maybe that's a factor here too.
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm not necessarily ready to just assign it fully on Jim Boylan because you I mean you mentioned summer league there, and obviously Boylan wasn't the head coach at that point. That was probably a a Fred Hoiberg decision or maybe a committee decision, but ultimately Fred Fred was the coach at that point, so I can't necessarily just assign it to Jim Boylan itself as much as I'd like to. But um, I, even back in summer league, like you make you make a good point that maybe he wasn't specifically ready. But I do remember vividly this one play in summer league where he grabbed an offensive rebound. Put the put the ball on the floor and basically just dribbled back out to the three point line in, on the corner on the right corner. Not in the right, sorry, not on the right corner on the right wing and just pulled up and just launched a three and, and and switched it in. And I mean, this this was a kid, nineteen year old kid, grabbing an offensive rebound, and having the audacity to just dribble out the ball and just shoot a a three. So I I kind of felt like his confidence waned through the season. And I look like I said, I, I'm, maybe I'm not rational at at some times when it comes to Wendell. And I'm quick to assign the blame to someone else besides Wendell. But I I guess let's talk about his offensive game. And if he isn't that back to the basket, low post guy, or even that role man, who's going to sort of operate above the rim up though. I think he does have some potential in that as well. That the bulls should explore. What, what is his primary role on offense and, and how should the bulls be looking to use him next season? And do you think they will?
1: Yeah, it's a great question as far as will they, I think his primary function, it all stems from the shooting. Like everything in his game stems from the shooting. Like if you have a stretch five or a spacing five, it starts there. That's the foundation. If you are to respect him out there, if he has gravity in like a pick and pop or even just spacing out to the corner, I actually included that clip that you noted in summer league in my piece because it was so damn impressive. And the, not a lot of bigs can do that. That's if you don't think that's skilled, I don't know really what to tell you yeah. for, for fans that don't think that it's crazy to me. But um, I, I think it, it all stems from the shooting that opens up. The, the gravity to operate as a dribble handoff guy, he's going to be really good there, like screen, re-screen. A lot of the stuff, I, I mean, I don't want to make a direct comparison, but a lot of stuff we see Horford do, he's very smart and intelligent about when to screen, when to slip. Utilizing as a playmaker there, in the short role. he's going to be really, really effective because he has good touch attacking the rim. He can dribble in coordinated fashion. He can really pick out shooters. Like that's my thing with him is the shooting unlocks a little bit of the dribble game. I think he can you know fake a dribble handoff, take two dribbles and make a pass on the move. We saw that even last season in more condensed environments. And the decision making is really where he's going to win. He's an incredibly cerebral player. Maybe that hasn't really translated to the floor as much. I mean, it's it's rookie year. So he's going to improve there. He's going to get more comfortable. I think you're going to see that that's going to be an element where fans are like yeah, this this guy's really smart. Like he's an intuitive player. He can make decisions. So dribble pass shoot ability, playmaking from the perimeter, operating as a pick and pop guy. I think you can also space from the corner as just a spot up guy playing off Larry Markinen, who the Bulls are presumably gonna use a lot in like the mid post or pick and pops as well. I think Wendell can space off of that. And that's really important because you don't want him in the dunker spot, you know, clogging driving lengths, for example. So stem some is shooting, but skill decision making. I think he has almost the total offensive package outside of he's not like a pick and roll dive guy. He's not like gonna go up and catch oops in traffic. That's not really his game. Like he can he can do that, but he doesn't you're not gonna have like DeAndre Jordan jumping through two guys and dunking on the top of someone. Not really his game there. Not an interior score like I said, unless it's a mismatch situation that you really want to use him in. So I, I would say he starts there. He's not gonna Jaron Jackson you either as far as like face you up, double cross and like dunk on you. He's not that coordinated of a ball handler. But there's some untapped upside there, especially attacking in advanced situations.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the shooting and that being, I guess, the foundation of everything that comes for him now. So I want to talk about that and expand on that a little more. But before we do that, I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsor. Football season is here, people. It's time to start placing your bets for NFL and college football. Blue Wire is teaming up with Sports Information Traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors, so our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com forward slash blue and get the college football and NFL futures play and make up to 15 times your money for only a $99 investment. Last year, Sports Information Traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the College Football Championship, making one client alone $110,000. The year before that, Kurt Presley of Sports Information Traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on future bets and pre-season football betting picks. You get all of that for just $99 and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years, Make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders Future Picks. Get started now by going to sportsinformationtraders.com forward slash blue. Again, make sure you go to sportsinformationtraders.com forward slash blue to have your chance at a 15 times return this football betting season. Right, back to the podcast. Now we're talking about Wendell Carter, obviously, and we're talking about his offensive game. We want to dive into his shooting and and his mechanics, and whether we can have whether we should have some faith in his jump shot coming around. Obviously, we've spoken about his confidence sort of waning throughout the season, and the fact that his three point shot, particularly under Jim Boylan, was sort of put away. He didn't really have that many attempts uh, under Boylan in comparison to Hoiberg. So. It's something that I guess some fans are a little bit concerned with, given that so much of the NBA now is about floor spacing from all positions, not just the guard and the wing positions, I suppose. But thinking about Wendell and his jump shot, do you you have confidence in Wendell being that sort of pick and pop option, that guy that can readily spot up from the three-point line, maybe, maybe attempting four or five threes a game? I mean, his free throw percentage is quite sound for a big man. I'm assuming that's in his arsenal. His technique looks good, but what are your thoughts about him eventually becoming that jump shooting threat?
1: I mean, I definitely think it's going to happen. I'm not for sure if it's going to happen this season, but he's going to shoot. And I I would wager on him being like 36% or over on decent volume with some gravity. I do think that's within his range of outcomes. He is really advanced for his age as a shooter. I think his stroke is really fluid. You see his base set as far as how far he spreads his legs. Like he's... It's all it's all copacetic to shooting well, like elbow alignment, ending high release point, consistent follow through. There's a lot of dynamics in his shot that are advanced. Of course, he's not Lowry Markkinen. If that's your. Bar, he's probably not gonna reach that because yeah. that's a really high bar to make. I don't know if he's gonna be like a pull-up shooter, for example, but he can actually do that. Like functionally, he can shoot a pull-up jumper in a face-up situation. He didn't get a chance to show that a lot last year, but it's within his range of outcomes. That's more on the higher end. Can he shoot off motion? Can you use him off a down screen, for example? I don't think that's crazy. That that clip you noted, like he was that's kind of like mimicking a little bit of an of an off-movement shot action. Not high-level, but pretty good for a center, especially if you're being guarded by fives. So that's where I'm at. Like his free throw percentage historically for rookies for bigs is pretty good. I mean, it was the best in the class last year of all those bigs. And outside of, I think, Mo Wagner, and it was on like 45 attempts. So really, 112 attempts. He was basically 80%. We're talking like Nashe, Gilgis Alexander, Mikhail Bridges range. Like he shot really well from the line. There's so many positive indicators. We talked about the, the touch he shows around the basket. That's huge for me. Like the soft touch he showed. You know, it was very effective on runners last year. You don't see 6'10 guys, they were 255 who can catch on a short roll on the move and like have that kind of soft touch release on the move. It's just, it, it's not that common. And he shows all of these different elements. So I, I think it's a matter of when, not if. I really do think it might be this year if he has the confidence. That's the only side that I'm really hung up on. Maybe he's not like an elite level shooter, but I think he's going to be a plus shooter. It's all about his confidence and the mental aspect of that, how that translates. That's really where I'm going to be looking for this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think it it potentially can happen this year. And again, Wendell's my guy, so maybe I'm being a little overzealous here, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that maybe if the the attempts are sort of controlled and he's taking the right threes more so than just launching up volume threes, that he can get to 34, maybe 35% from three this season, predominantly if he sort of focuses on that corner three, maybe some above the break threes as a trail option, as you sort of alluded to. I think that is sort of in play. and, And if that's the case, then... All of a sudden, the Bulls have five guys in their starting unit, assuming Carter does start with Mark and and Sadoransky starts as well, that this team has just shooting literally all over the floor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I'm most fascinated about this year is the Bulls' potential to go five out and really space the floor. And then Wendell gets to start attacking those gaps with his playmaking, with his dribbling. And like as a screener, you get to have more space to operate and you have more gravity from your other shooters. I'm a little curious to see if Sadoransky starts over Dunn. I heard that Bullen, Bullen said that Dunn was starting. I'm not sure if that's more of like a showcasing thing or from a defensive perspective, it makes some sense with Dunn as like the point of attack defender. That's probably what his Best skill is, and then playing more Wendell and drop, and you have a pretty good set to be at least a reasonably decent defense because you have Otto Porter now, who yeah. Wendell never got yeah. a chance to play exactly. with. By the way, like <laughs> that's important. Like Otto Porter is really good, so I, I do think there's. I, I hope they start Sadoransky from an offensive perspective. Good ball mover. That's something the Bulls have lacked. Like Levine's going to have the ball a lot. Because, of, of course, the self-creation gravity, that kind of dynamic ability. But having a guy like Saturansky who can really make decisions and move the ball, I think that's going to help Wendell as well, put him in better positions to succeed. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the passing aspect of
0: this team, because that was going to be my next question. And it's something I wrote about up on Bloggable, And again, I, I received some mi- mixed responses on it. Maybe I went too early on it. But I had this idea or this notion of the Bulls using Wendell in in a similar role to the way the the Memphis Grizzlies and Toronto Raptors have done so in the past with Marcus Sewell in terms of using him as a hub within their offense as a passing hub or even a fulcrum of their offense, using him be, be it on the low block, high block, even beyond the three point line, using him as that real passing option within their offense. And I guess this this thought comes to me because one of the 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 Bulls' deficiencies in terms of playmaking, you, you mentioned Don, you mentioned Zach Levine, Sadaransky. They're the guys that are the primary guys that are going to have the ball in their hands. They're, they're okay passers, They're okay playmakers, but I wouldn't say they're anywhere close to the upper echelon of the NBA. And obviously the dribble drive game is just as important as the shooting aspect of the modern NBA, but the Bulls don't have a ton of that. So I'm just wondering, given Wendell's natural traits as a passer and the fact that some of the passes he made during his rookie season, I think, Again, get underrated because he is a 19 year old making plays that you typically don't see a 19 year old guy making. So I'm just wondering if a a guy like Wendell, and again, depending on if the Bulls use him in this space, has the capacity in year two, maybe in year three to be that foot on offense as a passing hub for the Bulls, a team
1: that don't necessarily have that, you know, that perimeter playmaker. Yeah, absolutely, and that's exactly what I would do. That's how I would use him when he's ready. I would give him reps even before he's ready, at least consistency wise, to develop that confidence, develop that go-to ability. I, I love elbow actions with him. I remember, you know, the Bulls ran a lot of actions where Lopez would kind of like screen the screener for Lowry to pop out. You can utilize Wendell that way, but I would try to optimize his playmaking. And again, this comes back to to the intelligence, the basketball intelligence, the decision making element of his game is rare for a player his age, and this rare in general like he's a very very smart player that's going to come through if not right away this season sometime this season or or the year after it's going to be evident at some point and that's kind of how i see him as like a a gasol not exactly the same kind of player gasol's a little bit bigger um but i that kind of perimeter guy spaces a lot from three but you can also run offense through as the hub and i think that allows you to compensate like you're alluding to when you don't have great initiator play in your team which the bulls don't have that allows you to compensate and maybe get Sadoransky on the floor more as more of a spacing threat. So that's how you can compensate run offense through Wendell. You have a bunch of shooting offense. who can screen for each other. Wendell can screen. That's how I would play it. I think that is how to best utilize him. Maybe Wendell's not a 20 and 10 guy in that case, but I think the impact of what he's giving your offense via things you can't capture as well, such as spacing gravity, for example, will compensate. And his decision-making, I really do feel like he's probably going to show as the smartest player in the Bulls outside of maybe Sadoransky. I do think he's that intelligent on the floor. So I hope that shines through.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I completely agree. And and just to go back to his game log of, of his rookie season, it, I think it was his seventh game of, of, of his career. He had four assists. His eighth game of his career, he had five assists. And then in, in his ninth game of his career, he had six assists. So right early in his career, and this was without... Well, this was rather on an injury-depleted team. So he wasn't necessarily playing in uh, productive offensive lineups. I mean, there was a lot of lineups out there with Justin Holiday, Jabari Parker, Chris Dunn at point guard, whoever it may have been at point guard, Ryan Archidiakono, and then Zach Levine. So he wasn't necessarily playing with the high-level offensive talent that he may be playing with in these sort of lineups coming up. So, and, and despite that, he was still pulling out numbers in terms of assists early in his rookie season. So I, I think he has that option. I think the Bulls are probably probably lean more to using marken in that role as a passing option because I think Marken showed some, some passing chops last season too. But ultimately, they're going to need to lean on their bigs as, as passing options because they don't have a lot of of, of uh, passing threats in that backcourt, unfortunately, for the Bulls. But we've talked a lot about his offensive game. Let's talk about defense. And this is probably the, the calling card for Wendell during his rookie season. I think, again, back to perceptions, I think where he does get credit for his rookie season is what the defense that he displayed during his rookie season. And again, he was a 19 year old rookie doing things that you typically don't see, but again, you wrote it in your piece, but I was wondering if you can expand and sort of reiterate and maybe just reaffirm to Bulls fans, maybe what we may have forgotten about how good this guy's defense was during his rookie season.
1: Yeah, for me, it starts in the team defense construct. When I look at bigs, you have to pass thresholds of movement, athleticism and space, rim protection. But it's really just, do you make the right decisions defensively? Are you in the right place and you have to be not only in the right place but be able to make the play when you're in there and i think that wendell can do both i think that he can protect the rim from a standstill like he's actually pretty good already at verticality and he's very good when he can go vertical and not like if he's not moving backwards i think that's where he gets in a little bit of problems we can talk about that but as far as like when he's at the rim he's he's a standstill rim protector he's capable of doing that when he is just you know one two stepping into a, a shot block attempt and that's he's not someone who's six eight with like a six nine or six ten wingspan that is gonna get exploded over every single time. So it really comes down to protecting the rim. He can do that. But also the ability to cover for your teammates and make the right decisions. He's very good and he's one of the only bigs I've ever seen do this in college. Where he'll actually like flinch at a ball handler when they're driving, defending two guys at once, and then kind of recover to his man and kind of force guys to make decisions. That's just something I don't think I've ever seen from a one and done freshman big. And he did that at Duke. I saw that at times on the bulls in his rookie year, just a very, very intelligent defensive player. And he has length. Like this guy is seven, four wingspan. Like he he's not easy to finish over his length really pops at times. He's not the most dynamic leaper, but he's good enough. And I think that he's mobile enough to be a multi-level defensive player who is again, a very, very good team defender. And that's the most important thing for me, having your head on a swivel, not making, not making a ton of backline mistakes and playing with effort. This is a guy who will actually try he's wired to, play team basketball first, he's wired to play defense. And I think that's really important. Yeah, 100% agree. And I guess one of the, the main critiques of
0: him coming out of coming out of Duke and coming into the NBA was his ability to defend in space, which he quickly, I i won't say quickly, but he, it looked like he was more than capable. And some of those concerns maybe were somewhat exa- exaggerated. But do you think that's potentially as the league continues to downside and we, we've continue to expand and focus on that dribble drive game? And do you think that may be exposed at some point, or do you think Wendell has the the physical uh, attributes and he, he's clearly got the the IQ? But do you think he's got the physical attributes long term
1: to be able to be a space defender? I do, but again, with space defense, it's always about degrees. So it depends on who you're playing against. I, I include this in the piece. If he's going against Luka Doncic, those kinds of small forward type, not like the most dynamic athletes who are dual threats. Like he's fine. He, I thought he actually was pretty damn good and solid in space. But even solid in summer league, he he cut down his weight. That was the thing that really. Sold me on him, the last thing that did was after his season at Duke, he showed up to the combine and he was cut. He lost weight. He was in really good shape. And I think that that really translated to the floor. He got a little bit more pop, a little bit more agility. But it comes down to degrees. Like, do I think he's going to have problems guarding James Harden on an island? Yes. I, I do think those kinds of players, he isn't the greatest at mirroring in space as far as those kinds of dribbles. When you get him changing directions side to side, get his feet moving, he has to distribute his weight and redistribute his weight. That's when I think he struggles a little bit, but the the concerns of him just getting boat raced in space consistently, I think he's solid. I I think he's going to be able to hang. He's going to be able to stay close enough to guys where he can utilize his length and his length really deters guys on pull-ups. You know, he really bothers guys like Jamal Murray, even in slight drop coverage, that might be how you wanna use him for the most part. And that's what the Bulls, from what I saw, mostly did with him is either slight drops or, or deeper drops. That's how a lot of regular season teams play defense. I think he's more than capable of doing that. Can he switch out and really stop like Victor Oladipo, who he also, you know, that dual threat that ability to shoot pull-ups but also that quick first step with some handling ability that's probably always going to give Wendell some problems but I think he has enough to stay closer to those guys with more reps when he gets better at his technique and he can thrive I don't know if he's going to be able to play in the finals but I can say that for literally 90% of the bigs in the NBA
0: yeah exactly and I guess just thinking about the Bulls personnel this season it's hard to look back to the last season and use that as a baseline of sorts because of the the rotations were just a mess for basically the entire season is it I guess what what's the what are you what would you suggest in terms of how the Bulls should defend and how should they use Wendell on defense do you think they should use him more as a drop defender keep him at the rim given that their defense at times may be questionable depending on the lineups that Jim Boylan throws out there or should they be a little bit more aggressive and use Wendell's speed and IQ maybe to hedge a little bit harder and maybe be a bit more aggressive and enforce more turnovers and maybe that way recoup some of the defense that they may naturally give up. What What do you think is a better option for the team but also for Wendell defensively?
1: Yeah, I think I would mix it up a little bit more this year. I would let Wendell play a little bit more aggressive in coverage. You have a better team defender with someone like Otto Porter, who's very good at making rotations. Not like a huge impediment at the rim from the weak side, but he can be in the right spot, cover ground. That's going to help. Just having more smart players. It kind of depends on the personnel, frankly. Like, if you have Chris Dunn out there, you might as well over and drop because Chris Dunn can get over the top of the screen and really pressure and recover and, and put pressure that way. You can take away a lot of the higher value shots that way. If you have sideransky trying to go over a screen, that's going to be a little different. Maybe you try to get a little bit more aggressive because you know that he's not going to be able to recover in the same way as someone like He doesn't have that kind of athleticism. So it's going to depend a little bit on lineups. I would like to see them try to diversify, just see if they can do it. He did switch a little bit last year in in the tape that I saw. So it wasn't like he was just dropping every single time. I do think there's more diversity in his game. It's going to be really fascinating to watch and see kind of how they try to orchestrate the defense because you look at the personnel. That's that's probably the weakness of the team pretty clearly, right? I mean, I think offensively, they're going to be pretty they're going to function on offense this year. They have enough passing talent, enough shooting, especially with like Otto Porter in the fold. Defensively, I, I trust Wendell. I trust Chris Dunn for what Chris Dunn is good at. Otto Porter and a team defense construct. You know Levine's not a great defensive player. We all know that Lowry's gotten better. We'll kind of see how far that goes. I don't know what you want to do though. You can play Lowry maybe on the ball in like a pick and roll setting because Lowry moves his feet pretty well. And Wendell's an excellent drop def- or an excellent like backline defender, so when he can make decisions and kind of rotate over for blocks, maybe we see that a little bit this year. And of course you can't really control that for the most part because teams are going to attack the other team's center for the most part in pick and roll somehow. But that would be kind of an interesting throw in if you utilize Wendell as like a backline guy especially if you have an immobile center or something in, in the dunker spot and he can kind of make decisions there and you have Lowry more in space where Lowry isn't the best rim protector. So that might suit both of their games a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and and that's probably where I'm thinking as well. I'm leaning to more him probably... I, I, you're definitely right that they should mix it up. So that that's the first thing. And it probably... Uh, The answer to the question in terms of what defense they should play, it it probably is also linked to what offense they want to play as well, whether they want to get it up and down the floor quickly, whether they want to play a bit more methodical and walk it up a little bit more. Obviously, Jim Boylan wanted to do that quite a bit last season. We'll see what they do on offense. That will ultimately dictate, to a degree at least, how they play on defense. But I kind of like the idea of Wendell being a little bit of a drop center too because of his help, help defense and the fact that he has that super high IQ and... Hopefully the Bulls are healthy and have some better defensive lineups out there. And I think because of the the poor lineups that they were playing in quite frequently last season, and, and Wendell too, he was having to cover up, but for a lot of mistakes, particularly when he was paired with Jabari Parker. But it's it's hard to be a help defender when you're playing next to Jabari Parker. So I'm wondering <laughs> if um, you know just playing in these better lineups, these more functional lineups, where will we actually see an even better help defender that Wendell Carter may be. Obviously, he's going to naturally improve as a defender, but. Just just being around better defenders, I think, will, will in turn make himself a better defender. And it's kind of scary to think how good his help defense could be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the communication aspect is going to be better this year. There's another year in the system, and you uh, you have smarter players. You have Otto Porter, who's a significantly better team defender than Jabari Parker. Like, not just because Jabari's really bad at it, but because Otto Porter is pretty damn good at it. So you start substituting these smarter players, getting Thaddeus Young in the building. I thought the Bulls had a really good offseason, frankly. Like, I like their free agency. I like how they allocated resources. And th- those are two good defensive players. Like, Thaddeus Young's a great defensive player. Like, he could have, you know, he was in my, like, top 15 defensive players last year. He's, he's going to be a really nice addition and you're getting that experience, you're getting that tutelage for Wendell too off the floor and you have another communicator on the floor. I think for young guys a lot of times the the game can be too fast I don't necessarily think that's the case for Wendell. I think he's pretty good at that, but it only helps when you get more guys who are pointing things out to him in a defensive scheme and being more consistent. So I I remember Wendell talking a little bit about like he doesn't like to give up easy baskets. He'd rather just foul. And I think that's why a lot of people are down on his defense because he fouled a lot, like most rookie bigs do, like Jaron Jackson fouled a ton. And that's just usually what you see. Maybe he feels more comfortable this year in the system and he feels like there's going to be more support where he can pick and choose his spots a little bit better, maybe not overhelp, because he has to and he's going to be in the right position and maybe he gets better his technique because of that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, Thad Young, in a lot of ways, was a perfect signing for the Bulls, both for marketing and for Carter. I mean, for for different reasons, but if you think about maybe mix and matching that defense, ha- having, when, when Wendell's out there with Larry Marketer, maybe he can play more drop and protect the rim, but when you've got Thad Young out there, another great defender, then maybe you can be a little bit more degress- uh, aggressive with both Wendell and, and Thad, depending who's guarding the pick and roll. But I mean, that that potentially could be a great, great defensive combination. I'm really looking forward to that one. But you mentioned Otto Porter too. And I think there's a pretty easy argument to be made that Otto Porter may be the team's most valuable player next season in large part because his replacements have so many questions. I, I guess the Bulls are relying on Chandler Hutchinson and Denzel Valentine, maybe even some of their point guards to sort of run through that three spot. So that does make Otto Porter pretty valuable to this this team. And I guess that's my instinctive answer to to to, to think he's probably the most irreplaceable player on this team. But factoring everything we just spoke about in, in regards to Wendell Carter and the fact that I guess the center rotation for the Bulls, while there's some there's some prospects in there and there's some, interesting, some interesting options for Boylan to play with, given that his defense is going to be so valuable, do you think there's a chance here that Wendell may actually be the Bulls' most valuable, or at least their most uh, irreplaceable player next season?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think so there's a chance. I mean, especially defensively, because he's kind of the one guy where he has to be good defensively if the Bulls are going to be good defensively, just with what he's going to be tasked with, the importance of big man defense. So if he's good, I think there there's a chance that he is their most irreplaceable player as far as that goes just because I don't think there's another guy in the team like Thad Young's like a better defensive player right now clearly than Wendell he's incredibly good on defense but can't really offer the same exact skill set he's just a bit different more space more power not the same level of rim protector and I think that the Bulls are really going to need that element. I should have amended what I said earlier about smartest players like Otto Porter. He's right there. He's, he's a smarter player right now than Wendell just by virtue of being a veteran. So him and Sandoransky, for example. But I do think there's a situation where Wendell this year could be the, the most valuable player, and defining value is really tough, right? Like, is he going to be had the highest RPM? No, that's probably going to be Otto Porter, just because that's what he does, right? But as far as, like, irreplaceability of, like, rim protection and the skill set, if he shoots especially, I don't know how the Bulls really go about replacing like, I've seen some, some people have chimed in being like, Daniel Gafford's going to be better than Wendell Carter. I, I think that's just <laughs> nuts. Like, I mean, yeah. if you talk about space defense issues, like, like, watch Gafford's knee bend. Watch how stiff his knees are and how he can't really sink and slide you can see the blood in the water as far as in summer league he was pretty damn good in summer league i thought for the most part yeah. relative to expectations for me but like wendell's gonna surprise like if people think that gafford's a better player uh prepare to be surprised this year <laughs> yeah i mean uh, look i won't comment on that
0: <laughs> uh, hopefully there's not too many people that think that but um uh, i think one of the options and i've been thinking about this because in in part because wendell got obviously he had that ab surgery where he's obviously missed a couple months here and that's obviously not ideal for a second year player you want to obviously have him putting in some reps into his body be it's on the court or off the court in the in the weight room or whatever it may be you obviously don't want to see your your second year rookie your second year player rather coming in injured into the training camp he will be ready for training camp but at the same time it's not ideal so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking that maybe if Wendell does get hurt during the season, that the Bulls will be playing a lot of Larry Markman at center this season, and something that they've mentioned that they wanted to do anyway—that they wanted to run some Larry Markman at center lineups—which again makes even more sense after you add a guy like Thad Young. I think he's the perfect fit for a floor spacing center like Larry will be, if assuming he gets uh, substantial minutes at center. But I'm just wondering, and, and this is me sort of just playing a hypothetical here. But in the in the case that Wendell maybe gets hurt or is maybe his production slowed down because of his injury that he's sort of had this last couple of months? Do you, do you foresee a situation where he may be, not, not on the outer but he maybe his production or maybe his minutes sort of maybe aren't, aren't ramped up to the degree that you and I would like them to be because maybe the ball sort of finds something in marketing at centre? Do you think that's potential and a a potential scenario and if so where does that sort of leave the whole larry wendell dynamic given that the bulls are effectively rebuilding around two two young bigs who have uh, varying skill sets
1: yeah it's a great question i've always cited more that larry is a four i like using him in the five at times when you can i think that's obviously great offensively. If he could play the defensive five full time, then we'd be talking about like a top 10 player in the NBA as far as value or something like that, right? Top 20 player, just because if you can play defense and shoot like he can from the five spot, really just, stresses defenses beyond anything like if you can have a above the break volume three-point shooter who's like 38 percent, that's just that breaks defenses especially if you have the guard infrastructure which the bulls don't currently have we'll kind of see how like guys like kobe white develop or whatnot i, I would think some things would have to go awry for it to skew so heavily towards larry at the five like they're definitely going to play it they can play it with thad young even though what i'd look out for is teams countering by having their center guard Thad and kind of trying to switch with Lowry or play more of a mobile big on him. That's what people did at times when he was on the Pacers and whatnot. It's you can scheme against that a little bit and play centers against Thad. So that's something I would look out for, but I do think that's going to be part of this. Like this is why they got Thad Young. Thad Young can play next to both of these guys on both sides of the floor. He's going to fit in nice, there. So I wouldn't read too much into if they experiment more with Lowry at the five lineups. Do I think they're going to start Lowry at the five? No, I don't think they're going to do that unless there is an injury to Wendell and it takes him longer to recover in that process. I think that's pretty much the only situation where you're going to have Lowry starting at the five. If if Wendell's healthy, I think he's going to be the starting five.
0: Yeah. And look, that's probably my main, the main point of concern that I have going into the, into the season. And really, if that's the only concern that you have, you're traveling on pretty nicely, but I'm just sort of worried now that Wendell's injury and again I get pretty emotive when it comes to all things Wendell so maybe I'm being irrational again but I just wonder if this injury and the fact that you've got a a starting level guy like Thad Young I was actually surprised he came to the Bulls because he could start for a number of teams around the league but he I, I'm assuming he's going to come off the bench I don't know but I hope that's the case because I obviously want to keep Mark and Carter together but I, I guess I'm probably just being a little bit fearful for no reason but it, it could be something that plays out hopefully it doesn't but Look, Cole, I've kept you on for long enough, mate. I appreciate you coming on the pod and, and talking, Wendell. Uh, it's been fun for me. Hopefully, it has been for you. definitely has been for the listeners. But um, again, thanks for coming on. Thank you for writing that piece on the step in. Like I said, it was the most in-depth thing that I've read on Carter, and I'm glad you wrote it, even though I was slightly jealous that I didn't necessarily pen it myself. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you put it together. But uh, before you get away, tell the people where they can follow you online if they're not already doing so.
1: Well, you already noted the Wendell Carter piece on Step In. You can follow the site at the Step In. I'm a very unoriginal Coleswicker on Twitter. If you want to follow me, I usually just tweet about prospects and I'll tweet some bulls this year. We'll see how much I can watch. But uh, yeah, um, I go on the Game Theory podcast with Sam Bassini once a week as well if you are a draft connoisseur. So check that out. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. I will say, just to wrap up on Wendell, again, I'm really optimistic. I had him fourth on my big board coming into you know, the draft, I wouldn't move that yet. I'm more on the optimistic side. (laughs) I did note in the piece about the injury point that you made. This could be a year early because he doesn't have this developmental time, but I think he's so close that I think he's going to make that leap. So I'm really optimistic and I hope that he starts getting appreciating more, even though the final point I'll make on him again is I think he has the potential to be kind of, historically underrated maybe not like a like a great great all-time player of course I'm not saying that I'm saying like in, throughout his career he's more of like he could mimic an Al Horford kind of career trajectory where he's never really fully appreciated as far as stats but the impact is there so I guess that's how I'll wrap up I'm definitely optimistic on him and I'm looking forward to the season yeah uh, look I,
0: I concur with everything you just noted so uh, yeah again thank you for coming on man it was fun talking about Wendell We'll do it again sometime of course all right, so that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Bulls fans, thank you for tuning into this one. I hope you enjoyed it, and hopefully, you uh, you got to indulge on in the Wendell Carter experience as much as I did. Like I said throughout the show, I uh, I love talking about Wendell because I believe in him. I truly do. I think he is the best prospect on this Bulls roster, and maybe outside of Derrick Rose, he's probably the player. Maybe even going back to the Baby Bulls days, I think there hasn't been a Bulls pro- prospect that I've believed in more. So. Yeah if if you don't agree with me that's fine I I guess at the end of the day we we're, we're all rooting for the same for the same team and and we want to see all of our players become damn good players I think Wendell is going to be that but yeah, like I said, I hopefully you enjoyed this show. I thought it was very informative. Having someone like Cole on, who is just one of the smartest guys you'll find across the basketball community. He, he knows his shit and, and it was it was really good to have him on. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. For now, that's all I've got for you guys. I appreciate you listening in. Follow me on Twitter if you can, at MKHoops. Follow the show at Bulls HQ Pod. That way you can keep up with all the latest podcasts as they're coming through. Obviously, subscribe through all your podcasting platforms, be it iTunes, Android, whatever it may be. We're everywhere. Tune into Bulls HQ wherever you can. But again, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoy this one. We'll be back again next week. Till then, speak soon.